Greetings, Eatons and Heretics, and uh, welcome to another episode of In the Abyss. I hope everyone listening is good. Welcoming back the Voice of Reason this week, after a bit of absence, so uh, it's uh, always good. Special one this week, though, because I'm pretty sure we mentioned it once or twice towards the end of last year, that um, uh, Earns a Feast on Sorrow was our album of the year. I think we it may have come up once or twice in conversation. So what better way to celebrate that than, uh, than to drag Joe back on for another chat and uh, to discuss what eight records he would take to a desert island. Because, yeah. you know, why, why the fuck not? Um, Joe, welcome back. Thank you for coming back. Cheers, mate. Uh, you know, giving us your time. No problem. Um, yeah. No problem at all, mate. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll get on to the, uh, to, the, to the records in a minute, but we have to talk quickly a little bit about A Feast on Sorrow because... When we first spoke last year, and I think it was was it sort of June, July last year, just before the album came out, mm. you know, saying how much we were looking forward to it, it was a little bit of hype building around it, and then it dropped. It dropped the weekend you played Bloodstock, and that we absolutely fucking loved it. It was pretty much unanimous across all of us that it was our album of the year. Um, Jeez, you happy man. with the way things have turned out with that? And yeah, I think I'm fairly am. You know, things could always be done, be better. You know, it's. Um... Unless I was here, you know, and I, you know, we had that sort of sleep token jump, but we haven't. Um, but you know, I'm happy with it. Uh, most, I, I'd say, it was weird compared to because you know, you the bigger you get, the more there might be a few people go. Oh no, uh, I think the last one's better. Fair, fair play. The last one you always get was that. a bit more. There's a bit more going on. I did see one person say we were we were our biggest letdown, um, and I was like, well, fuck me. If we let you down, in, I think he had Metallica seventy-two seasons as his favourite album. I thought you're winding me up, mate. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I um, I'm really, oh, you know, I'm happy enough with it. Um, again, like there's always things we could do better. Be it us, you know, fucking artwork, production, lyrics, fucking touring. There's always there's always something, and that's why yeah. you know you go back and you do it again, and you tweak little things that you want to have done, like you know have better, um, you know really positive reviews. Um, made it in the Metal Hammer top fifteen, smallest band in that whole top thirty. Um, I think probably the only band we haven't had an article in that magazine. So fucking sort that, sort out. that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think last time they had the top thirty bands. On the front cover, apart from us, <laughs> beat that one. Uh, <laughs> That's not on, is but, it? Yeah. Nah, I wouldn't have me on the front cover anyway. <laughs> but it's funny. Um, but yeah, no, it's done well. Uh, you know, like I say, a lot of favourable reviews. There was one from an American site where apparently I'm shit at singing and shouting, and the production's terrible. And I thought, well, do you know what I mean? Can't win them all, but you're clearly a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, so yeah, but mate, I'm buzzed. I'm buzzed with it. And it's opened up a lot of doors for us. And, you know, we went out and did some great shows in the summer, great festivals, really, really great UK tour, um, hit a lot of places we'd never hit, but the places we have hit before we really saw a a jump up, really saw fucking like Birmingham, um, which is notoriously Hard, I think, unless you're from Birmingham. Um, London, Milton Keynes, uh, Brighton, Bristol were real jump up from when we last played, especially Bristol. Didn't know what was going on. So, yeah, that's quality. 
No, nah, good. I mean, I, I missed you. Well, we both did. We both just, it just didn't fucking work out, unfortunately. But yeah. I, noticed, I noticed. I noticed. Yeah, that's I know because <laughs> that's the second. That's the second time. But I will rectify it next time. I promise. Um, yeah, I'll be on you. Yeah, all right, all right. But please, do, yeah, <laughs> no excuses, no excuses. Um, but you're going to go out on, and do a, a tour in France now with with Avatar, and it which is um, that's an interesting one because you know we're just talking offline before we came on that they're they're a band that are a lot bigger than people may think. So, mm. what are you expecting from that tour? Because you did the Gajira thing in big fucking arenas, and mm. this is a different kind of thing altogether. What? So, I always want. I, for every sort of metal tour we do, I'd love to do something either a bit different or, you know, be it, I'd fucking, I'd, I'd love to go out of like Alterbridge. I'd like to go out with Gajira. I'd like to go out with Flipping Avatar. I'd like to go, you know, I want to mix it up. You know, growing up, favourite band Metallica. You look at some of the tours they did, working their way up and, yeah. you know, it, you know, you don't want to, don't want to keep yourself by playing to the same metal people. And, Funny enough, obviously, we, due to our relationship with Joe Duplantier and Gajira, we've built up a bit of a fan base in France and surrounding countries. Again, being completely fucking ignorant, I didn't realise how many countries surrounded uh, France. And, so, you know, we've got people coming over. We've got friends coming over from the borders, you know, to come and see us. And Yeah, somebody we know is cool. travelling down from, from Ghent, actually, to come and see one of the shows, I think, so... Oh, quality, lovely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's mate, it's it's cool like that. Um, and we also over the years before pre Gajira relationship, we've had French fans kind of come along with us. And what we are noticing now is there are people that are coming for us, and a lot of it's tied back to obviously that relationship that um and. In, in France, the biggest band they've ever sort of had that's broke out of France is Kajira. Yeah. And it's going to be a good thing. So either we're going to go there and people, most of the audience are going to know that band, and which helps. And for us, we're playing, we've never played France. It's We've played in so many other countries, but we've never actually played France. And what's kind of cool about it, it's not playing like Paris Central. It's playing an hour outside but then all the other cities are not cities that often pop up when you see a big tour poster. Yeah. You don't often see, you'll see Paris and maybe Bordeaux or something, but this is hitting a load of other places. And I looked at the route in the, some of the venues, you know, they have really nice sizes. And then I, I like to research the venues and there's some unreal venues with beautiful cities. We're very fortunate We've got uh, three days off, um, one in Toulouse, one in Strasbourg and one in Nimes, all beautiful cities. And we even, you know, I text Joe and I was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, yeah, you're playing our hometown. And, you know, so obviously we're going to get a picture as we enter, <laughs> enter the uh, enter our place. And um, so, yeah, it's it's cool. They, I went and met Avatar um, last month and they seem really nice dudes. Um I'm not really too familiar in what they do and that kind of background, but they seem to be big on the band, which is great. And um, they they seem to have a really good personality, um, both on and off stage, I guess. And uh, their whole crew, some of their sound guys helping us out for a few shows, no issue, I help you, blah, blah, blah. And everyone seems 
to be really nice. And I think I said to you off there, like um, even our management reached out going, we're really excited about having them and having seeing what they're going to do beyond yeah. this point, which is great. So, uh, yeah, and just clearing up on the old on the old French, you know, I've been watching a lot of Eric Canton and our documentaries <laughs> to get myself into into condition. So, yeah. Do you know no, what I mean? Be, so I'm ready. Uh, it'll be uh, wicked. So you know, after that, let's let's get you back and play some shows in the UK, so I can, uh, yeah, I can make good on my promise. Um, right. Let's 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 crack on then. So for anybody who doesn't know the format, we've done this two or three times before. Um, the first time was a drunken mess, so we thought we'd try it again, and it it, it kind of got better. But um, for those of us of a certain vintage, we'll know of. Was it? It was Radio Four. Was it Radio Four? That was one of them. Yeah, one of those, wasn't it? Radio yeah, Four, one, one of them. A desert island disc. Yeah, so you're stuck on a desert island in the middle of nowhere, and you get to take your eight favourite records. And we've done eight records, um, a luxury item, and an essential metal T-shirt, because, you know, why not? So, look, it doesn't have to be eight metal albums. It can be whatever sort of flicks your switch, but if um, if it goes too far down the wrong way, we'll switch off and, and stop right there. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. So... Um, what's number one on the list then, Joe? What, what you the Waddy Waddy. Nah. Um, <laughs> so let me... <laughs> right, let that's me... Fine. Oh, let that's me a, get me... That's, that's a conversation. That'd, that'd be good. I'm up for that. Uh, right, so I'm... I did have a few... I've just gone for metal and rock. Um, well, mainly metal. Um, do you know what I mean? I need the public to know that I'm willing to live and die for metal. Yes. Um, so... Uh, Die by the sword. I've, I've, I, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about that, but we'll, we'll yeah. have a chat yeah. later. Um, so I did have some bands having two albums, and then I was just like, you know what, let's 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 mix it up. So the first one I've wrote is Magma by Gujira. Had a feeling there might be a bit of Gujira in the mix there somewhere. I wasn't sure what one to put because currently. I've been listening a lot to Fortitude and I know a lot of the fans kind of moan because it's not like a straight kind of death metal album. It has some moments and the production's slightly different. But when I kind of get past all that, some of the song craft, I think some of the best stuff they've done. Um, and I think there's a really load of like interesting layers. And sometimes, you know, you have to turn down the volume to pick out them layers. Because sometimes when it's all cranked up, them little textures of different things. And it's weird listening to that because some of the percussion and what have you, I'm like, oh, I know what that is now because we've got that on a feast and sorrow, you know? Yeah. But Magma was the reason that when this opportunity did arise, that I was like, I not only is the production massive and it feels real and there's loads of great textures and Joe sounds great and it's, you know, it's got some, you know, it's, it's less death metally, you know, um, but the what the album in some of its songs mean, you know, it's got a heavy subject matter behind some of it. Yeah. And obviously, so does A Feast and Sorrow. When we first met Joe in Copenhagen, I was explaining to him what the album was about. Backstage, there was Jean-Michel, there was Johan who engineered the album. Taylor, that tour manager, me and Angus, and I started talking to Joe about it, just one-on-one, everyone else is talking. 
then when we started talking about the kind of heaviness behind what I was writing about, and I was like, I know you'll get it and you can connect because you've recently been there. It went really silent. And it was like, everyone was just paying attention to me and Joe talking. And it felt like in that moment, like, and I started to explain some things about my dad and what have you. And um, that was um, Otis. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> serious. And, um, <laughs> and in that moment, I was like, he gets it. He knows what we need to do here. And I think with that, he, he didn't really want to touch the songs. He wanted to create a vibe that suited the songs and the atmosphere and an energy. Yeah. And, you know, as, as, as you know, compared to the last album, it's a lot more aggressive and a lot more powerful and a lot more anger behind it. And when you think about the heavier songs on Magma, but that was the song that, that was the album that I was like, I want to do this with that. I want to record that with this team and what have you. Yeah. So that, that's kind of your album that that's got a deep root. That's a personal thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Totally. And that, that was, that was sort of changed a lot of things for us and led us on this kind of, little path we're going on how 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 far back have you been into uh Gajira at that point do you know what it's a band that i've been on and off angus was much more into Gajira than me and then i me saw him at a festival probably nine years ago now nine years ago yeah nine ten years ago and i just remember looking at angus <laughs> I was there with my mate, a couple of mates, and I, I can't remember what they were playing. And I looked at Angus and I was like, that's a liberty, that is. <laughs> like, I didn't know what else to say because it was so ridiculous. I didn't know what was going on. And I'd listened to them and whatnot. I, I, you know, I think I had uh, Levant Safage or I had one uh, fucking, I had one of the albums on vinyl. I can't remember. I've got them all now, so I can't remember which one it was. And I just remember looking at Angus, shaking my head, being like, when you see a band, that that's that good it's a fucking joke and you start cracking up like i actually start laughing about like you are so good at what you do it's so funny and like in this in the summer i saw sepatura and i was side stage watching eloy who is on another level to i think any metal drummer machine yeah yeah i've never there was there was about 40 people in Flames, Kill Switch Engage, Obituary, Bleed from Within, Us, uh, Pest Control. Everyone was side stage watching this guy laughing because he's that good. And that's the thing I got when I first saw Gajira, whatever, 2000 and whatever it was. Uh, might be 2014. Um, and yeah, so to kind of fast forward, uh, James has been into him longer you know, but he didn't know we were doing this because he only joined the band seven weeks yeah. before, yeah. seven or eight weeks before. So, um, but yeah, it was um, it was a hell of experience. And I just remember looking at Angus, just shaking my head, just laughing. I just didn't know what else to do. <laughs> just like, fucking hell. I've got to put yeah. some more effort in with, with Gajira because I just, I don't know what it is. There's so much, so much, everybody I know, I mean, Ant does as well, absolutely fucking loves them. And I, I don't know what it is I should do, but there's some, I don't know, maybe I'm not I'm not giving it's, the right effort. I, I, think, I don't know what it is. Well, again, it's, it's they just do something a bit different, don't they? You know, yeah. it's, it, it's, and it's, it's something that really clicks with people or you've just got to put a bit more work in or it just doesn't. And 
they've always been one of those bands. I mean, I, I'm not going to claim to be a massive fan, but I think I've always, I've kind of always got got that. Um, I mean, having said that, I've only managed to see them once. Yeah, uh, I am listening. So my cat's gone behind the TV. Wonderful, brilliant. <laughs> uh, okay. that, was, that was at Donington uh, Download in 2016, yeah, yeah. Uh, when they did the uh, the mains, the main, oh. or whatever. I don't know. There's so many tens of Donington these days. Oh. Uh, but that was that was the the Download weekend. Of course, it was muddy everywhere, but that was easily the best best set of a weekend for me. They were absolutely phenomenal. This is what I feel though. Anyone who sees them, it's like a, uh, our mate Tony, she come out of us doing merch in the summer. And it was a brilliant day. It was in Vienna, an open air venue. And she texts her husband going, I can't believe what I'm seeing. It feels like a spiritual moment. And Tom was like, yeah, like, and she was like, did you know? And he was just like, if you know, you know. And she was just like, I've never just been like a, a wave of sound and crush. She was just like, it was like a spiritual moment watching them. And it is, it's, and when, when you get it, it's just like, yeah, it's, there's no better band. And I think there's a reason why, you know, the bands above them all look to them. Yeah. And, you know, and, uh, but well, yeah, yeah, that's I'm, my, I'm, that's my I'm, one. I'm going to go yeah. away and make a more conscious effort. That I, yeah. I think I mean, it, maybe it's a bit of a cliche, but I do think the, their own nationality, the fact that they're French actually makes a difference and means they can do something like that. And yeah. it's, it, it works, basically. And so, yeah. Um, as, a, as an attempted vocalist, so many modern <laughs> screamers, so many modern screamers and whatnot try to rip off and do what Joe Duplantier does with his voice. But the guy's French-American, has a really unique accent, and people try to replicate that now. You can't. You're doing an impression of the guy's real voice. Yeah. And it's a tone that so many people are after now. And watching him, he done some stuff, you know, and I, I'd see him warm up in the mornings in the studios. And it's intense. It's intense. And, you know, I really felt on this record, he tried some different things vocally. And I love the fact that you can hear his accent coming through. Um. So yeah, yeah, that's that's the one for me. That's the uh, that's the Gajira loving sort of bit. Mm -hmm. then, will it? Yeah. What's um What's next on the list? Let's go number two. Now, if this had the production that we all dreamed of, it's there's for me there's nothing that touches it, and it's uh, Metallica and Justice for All. I thought you might say that. Yeah, but as soon as you mention production, yeah. it's like you know exactly yeah. where it's going. Don't you? <laughs> that's yeah. The it's for me though, i mean we we remember it for what it is and i don't know if you change the production I, I, it's really hard to quantify what it would sound like i don't think you need when people go oh bass bass if you listen to the original puppets without the remaster or it was never bass heavy no it, metallica only got bass heavy black album to reload yeah and like not bass heavy but you could clearly hear that yeah all it needed was just, honestly, just for me, uh, say there's a little notch, like one to ten. It's currently on one. Just put it to three. Just put it to three. Lovely. That's it. Lovely jubbly. Maybe make, just just bring the volume up a little bit. But I think regarding what I like as a, 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 a songwriter, 
musically like the stuff that they went on for this album yeah i love and i every now and then i'll put it all on put it all the way through and when i know it's played out because we all grew up watching fucking music tv but when that war scene starts playing and you hear the intro to one for me that's about as perfect as music because in just that dun, 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 that sounds so sad yeah yeah it's that whole thing and it takes me back to the first time i heard it. it takes me back to the first time i saw the video and i'm in awe of that till this day and the fact of what they were like 20 what were they 26 like 25 yeah. to 26 yeah. yeah and i'm like well and people to this day are still trying to rip off that band we are not that version of the band that version of the band from 82 to 90 fucking two because people try and slag the black album off and i'm like every band would want a black album yeah let me tell you if any band would want wherever I may roam riff, you know, sad but true riff. Fucking, if, if they say not, they're bullshitting, they're liars. Um, it might not be the best Metallica album, but it's the best produced, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, but this album, and then for me, when it gets down to the middle section of To Live Is To Die, ah, fuck, man. And there's so many things I look to. Um, there's a, the line in Dyer's Eve, Dear mother, dear father, you clip you clip my wings before I learnt to fly. What? That's so heavy. That's so deep, knowing what Hetfield's background was. Yeah. And it's just fucking hell. And even the reverse to Blacken, to reverse the intro and listen to it both ways, it both sounds amazing. And then I don't know, there's that band at that time, growing up watching the live shit, 89 thing and that to me for that period of time that version of metallica obviously cliff is a far superior bass player and unique to what jason was but i watched that what jason did was get the fans on his side by yeah. giving a shit yeah and doing it live giving it 100 110 120 percent every night and that for me that period of time 86 to 89 that's the greatest heavy band that's ever fucking existed and they knew it and i yeah. fucking love it i well, fucking love it i've always said that, that justice tour 88 89 that's the time i would love to they were on absolute fire then hetfield's voice the power the sound even the stage Ooh. production they were getting then it was yeah. just everything was just fucking right and the killers i mean if you go back and watch some amazing bootlegs and people want to be like Lars, Lars, Lars. No, Lars learned how to drum from about 84 to about 89. And then he got rich. <laughs> and it's like football players. Do you still have the passion when you're going to bed in silk pajamas? He became rich. Yeah. Listen to some of the unique off the cut. There's a, there's a drum fill in, in fucking Blackened where it, it literally changes. It's fucking, I can't even figure it out. And I watch drummers try and play it, but no one played it the same as what he recorded. But it's that for me, I love that. I, I could look at that booklet and just look at them and, you know, 
know, it's probably the only time in my life I'd look at someone like Lars Ulrich and go, that great geezer looks proper cool because it ain't ever happened ever since. But that to me, that's as good, that's as good as it gets. And the songwriting on that, um, even things like I the Beholder, just that just so heavy, so tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like Fred and the Sanity and fucking hell. Um, the only maybe slight bit, the middle section of To Live Is To Die, the heartbreaking bit that, you know, I listen to that and, you know, it, it, it it's as sad as the end of Ghost with Patrick Swayze. It kills me. <laughs> like, the only thing with that what is the, the start to get to it and the bit after it does is pales in comparison to that bit. Yeah. That's the only thing. Whereas I think Orion and Call of Cthulhu to get them to the middle sections, maybe where they mellow out or they get bigger, the build-ups and the tail-offs are superior. But that middle section into Live Is To Die, heartbreaking. Yeah, see, if that's the only sort of slight you can take from an album, that like, it's, it's fuck all, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's been a lot, a lot of people sort of praising that album specifically, and I think in previous episodes. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to sit down with it properly. I know it, but it's, it, I just need to like, focus on that one evening. I think just not not do anything else. But I mean, you know, that was released in '88, so we know that was a bit of a progressive year for metal with a lot of albums that came out. It was, you know, it's key. But with the production and that, you know, mechanized sound, I know there's no electro gubbins, but you know, could we maybe call it a somewhat industrial album? Because it does have a sort of different kind of vibe, doesn't it? But it's a, there's a clickiness. Yeah. There's a clickiness to the kick, which would four or five, whatever years later, Fear Factory come yeah. along and have that weird clicky, not for everyone, you know, but <laughs> it's got that. And a lot of the kind of chops that Lars does, the, you know, he done the famous China and a snare with the kicks yeah. behind it. And you fast forward and you get Fear Factory doing a... And people love it or hate it. I come from that little Danish bastard. <laughs> that little Danish bastard. Uh, he, he, he's never had the credit he's deserved, I think. He, he's, he's iconic, whether we like it or not. Yeah. You know? So oh, well, we, we played Copenhagen Festival, which is like Denmark's like download. And I went, if it wasn't for your lot having sex, we would never have Metallica. <laughs> they bloody loved it. What a great way to put it. So, um, yeah, right. so that's right. Metallica. Let's, um, let's go for number three then. What's next? I think this is the best album from 2010 to 2020. Let me just double check. I'm not going to contradict myself. Um, yeah, Behemoth the Satanist. Yeah, see, I hear a lot of people like that. This people say this is one of the greatest metal albums of all time and all sorts. And what to what? Why? Why this particular one? Because they went from being extreme. The album before was like this extreme fucking metal album, and the production was so unique. It had huge songs, and then Nurgle got, I think, leukemia. Then yeah. they came back. Yeah. They came back and they headlined Bloodstock 2012, and uh, which is two years before this. And I went to see them 
me and a couple of my mates drove up and it was just a quality weekend. Like our, our little mate, David, he was driving, he parked in the wrong car park two decades away. It was stressful as fuck. <laughs> but we finally got there and the, I think it was the first night Behemoth played. Yeah, I was there. And it's in, the, it's in the top five things I think I've ever fucking seen. I, it was just the right vibe. If you get your mates with you and you've had a good beer and everyone's up for it, I was just like, fucking hell, that's amazing. Then I never would have thought two years down the line they would have put out something that has its extreme moments. It has its rock moments. There's so many cool textures and layers. Nurgle's lyrics are, are, are so spot on. I think, I think, what is it like? The first line is like, I saw the serpents. I, I don't know. He says the word cunt straight away. And I was like, big time. Mate. <laughs> you know, don't waste no time. Get straight in there. And um, I was like, fucking hell. Um, but I remember, remember seeing the video for the song, uh, Blow Your Trumpet, Gabriel. And I was just like, that, that band do music videos better than any band that's alive as well. It's an event. And I was just like in awe. And every song they released leading up to it with a video, it was just like a, a cinematic experience. And I remember sitting with my old housemate and they released a video for the last song on the album, Oh Father, Oh Satan, Oh Son. And me mate Paul, we sat there in his living room and we put it on fucking the old... 4k whatever and we sat there for eight minutes just in like awe and it was like the art it's all art for me it's like the front cover a, a powerful painting the lyrics the the videos just the whole concept of it it all tied in and it's such a special special album and the albums they've done since are really good but they set bar so fucking high that it's like only few bands can go and then top that um the but the album they did before was unbelievable and i can't believe they topped that the album before that was unbelievable but it's like the metallica thing keep topping it and topping it and you get to a point where it's like we're not going to be able to do that now so we're going to make an album like the black album we're going to go completely the other like one way Whereas, honestly, everything about the Satanists, and I listen to it now, and it's whatever it is, 10 years old. It sound, sounds like just the production and just the ideas and the risks. They took so many risks, and it just paid off. It's an amazing piece of art that, wow, I think any band would be proud to have. And um, his voice is menacing. It's aggressive. It's powerful. It's... It feels important, and the amount of people I know, musicians and things, you go to Satanist, they go, yeah, it's one of them we all wish we had, like the Black Album. We wish we had that. We wish we had the Satanist. That's the album you put on when you're losing your mind on a desert island, isn't it? And you start summoning the devil. That's, you know. Yeah, yeah, big time. One fucking, yeah. Yeah, and I'm still waiting. I'll be like... Yeah, no one's coming for me. I'm stuck here, fuck's sake. Yeah, just, but it's just it's it's a great piece of great piece of art. Whereas other albums, I think you know, like other albums on here, I'd go. The music's great, blah blah blah. The whole thing with the Satanist, it's a piece of art. Fair play. Like I said, I, 
a lot of people say it's it's a proper ten out of ten album, and and that's that's yeah. a hard one. That saying that about about anything, any record that's ever been made, saying it's a ten out of ten, is a you know yeah. it's a bold claim. So yeah, it's fair play. Mm. Um, right, oh. let's have a let's have a luxury item then. So you get to take one luxury item with you to make your life a little bit easier. What would it be? So I was umming and ahhing about this, but then the answer came pretty pretty easy after about five minutes of stupidly um i'm an r in i have a very funny looking cat <laughs> called otis who looks like an old man he's exotic and persian he's looking at me now he looks livid i'd have to take him because <laughs> not oh, only you. not only is he like a little mate i look at his face like i am doing now and it cracks me up. Uh, he looks like a puppet from like an 80s film, an 80s fantasy film. That's what he looks like. And I just look at him and I'm like, I can't believe, I can't believe you're considered a cat. Um, and yeah, he's just, he's here now. He's, you know, he's licking his bum. Yeah, what are you doing? He's off. <laughs> so it says um, you just sit there and sing the magic dance to him. No, mate, it's... Uh, you know, it's just I just sit there and like my friend's got the same sort of breed, but they look completely different. And he's he's like, I look at him and I think, what is he thinking? And I look at Otis and I feel the same. I'm like, what is? And because I can't explain it unless he comes over here, he just looks like a miserable old man. <laughs> and I've got a video of him once where I, I was having fish and chips or pine chips, turned around and he nicked a load of butter off me bread. And it was all stuck on his chin, and he's trying to lift it off, but his eyes—he's got watery eyes. So I took a video of him, and then I put uh, audio of the Queen doing a speech over it because he looked like a really passionate old English boy. And um, it's "God Save the Queen" being played whilst Queen Elizabeth is doing a speech, and it kills me. Just you know, the things that make you laugh. Um, got a lot of time on my hands, lads, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I'll just go back and I'll just watch things. And because he just looks so miserable, it's so funny. And um, But yeah, I'll take Otis with me. Well, I, I hope he fully appreciates how important he is because, you know, cats, they can be a little bit... Um, oh, he knows. He, you know. my, he my, knows. My cat's a complete yeah. cunt. I hate it, so... <laughs> um, like, my mum's obsessed. With, when she comes around, she's obsessed with Otis. And honestly, it's because he just looks like oh, I can't even. Just looks like an old bastard. <laughs> I love it. Born, born on Christmas Eve. Uh, uh, I'd have him. Um, I think I think that's the best one. Yeah, we've had we had some ridiculous luxury items when we did this first time round. Um, one was somebody suggested taking the London Astoria with them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, a, a cat makes a little bit more sense at least. Um, mate, yeah. We, we, hell. Yeah. What I would do to see one more gig in that venue. I know it's yeah. just nice, it? It's it's heartbreaking. I I I because I always used to go around that area because there was always things around there and there were still things yeah, yeah. in the Charles area, but Tottenham Court Road tube station, it's you know, nice and easy. And I make a point of avoiding that because it's just heartbreaking seeing what that, uh, that area is now without without those venues. Yeah, yeah, mate, it's, 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 a, it's a, I used to love it. I was I literally, I talked talk to my mate about Slay yesterday and we're talking about 
they did like three nights on the God Hates Us All tour at the Astoria, and oh, someone's got a boot one of those. There is one of those, yeah. 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 And he's like, do you remember they took that shit new metal band out of them? And I was like, yeah, and they got booed off stage, obviously. But someone's uploaded the bootleg of one of the shows on on YouTube, and it's just fucking, I just remember, didn't know what, it was chaos. Me and a couple of schoolmates bunked off, and it was chaos, mate. And I would do any, I've seen some, some gigs I've seen there where I was just like, oh, fuck, it was I would always, do anything. It was always good. The sound was always good. It was just yeah. the right yeah. size. You know, everything about it was, yeah, it was yeah. such a fucking great venue. Great venue. Oh, God. There yeah. you go. Lots of stories. But... Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think anybody who's who's ever been there is going to have you know stories to tell about it. It's, it's it's weird how one venue can have that much of an impact. It's just it's just a big fucking room full of people. But you know, it's, it's well, funny enough, that funny. leads me on to the next thing. Yeah, let's go. The Astoria. This is probably the most important album, I guess, to me because it came at a bad time in my young life at the time, and I got a ticket to see this band six quid through their first on their first UK tour and exactly Astoria and it was on the Roadrunner Road Rage tour Kill Switch Engage Alive or Just Breathing now I remember I love thanks mate privileged as I am friends with Joel from Kill Switch Engage friends with Jesse and Adam it's been brilliant I used to eat when I was a kid I used to eat, email Jesse and I'd like send over bootlegs and I was in school and we, we had we didn't really we didn't have like internet at home or well, a proper internet. And I remember getting whatever magazine Kerrang. And I was a fan of Kill Switch, like due to like accidentally illegally downloading stuff, you know, back in the day. I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't want to steal it's music. Like I'm a uh, Kazar, no, I don't want to download. And um in about two thousand, when you're sort of finding your way and what you like, I downloaded a song called soil born off the first kill switch album ep thing and that was it and i remember like ian canfield was it he played a new oh, song yeah. on xfm, on XFM. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was self-revolution i taped it you know tape and record on got out fucking and i was recording it loads in a row so i'd be going to school four shit versions of it on me my headset on me um on me uh walkman and um but I remember getting Kerrang or whatever it might be and I opened it up and it was a tiny article and it was like, Jesse Leach has uh, parted Killswitch Engage. They have replaced him with Howard Jones from Blood Has Been Shed. Now, thankfully, I love Blood Has Been Shed, but I was so angry that I was like, he deserves more than that. <laughs> and in the end, I was like, fuck him, fuck him. And I feel really bad about it now because he's a lovely guy. But I was like, no, nah, fuck him. I prefer Howard. Howard, but I just remember being at the Astoria and I was at the front, mate. I was buzzing. I was fucking, ah. Oh. And I went at the front the whole night. I was just like, I need to see this. This is like, been like, this was my band. And they come out and I remember Geezer behind me. He's like, fucking hell, he looks different <laughs> because obviously <laughs> Jesse's this small white dude and Howard, Howard's like, fucking, it's a unit that could have been that bad bloke in Friday. He comes out and he's like, fuck <laughs> me. He and half look different. Like, and I was like, oh, yeah. And um, I just remember that like solidified it and as my band. And then I saw him at the Mean Fiddler with Poison the Well and Beecher. I was at that show. Got another, 
Yeah, fucking what a lineup that is. Beecher were an awesome now, band. Yeah, and Poison the Well. And it's funny, Poison the Well, one of them bands and things now where everyone's like, oh, I love Poison the Well, I love Poison the Well. And it's like, well, no one was going to see them at the end. Yeah. So you couldn't have loved them that much. I remember going to see them and there was like half a crowd. You couldn't have loved them that much. And now everyone goes, oh, fucking you know, hell. It's, it's ridiculous. I think, you know, because one of them, he formed a, he formed a sort of hipster duo with, uh, called Sleigh Bells, didn't he? Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, some, yeah, he just got together with some woman. I think it was a guitarist. Yeah. Okay. Some woman. And this was about like 10 plus years ago. But it's basically this sort of like, sort of weird cheerleader kind of like music. It's quite good for what it is, but it's it's different. Yeah. But, uh, it's it's worth listening to if you fancy something a bit different. But yeah, they played Bright Brighton Concord years ago. Yeah. Ago. And of course that's a significantly bigger venue even though it's not huge. And so yeah, know, I've, yeah I mean I mean funny enough they were supported by Charlie XCX back in our early oh, days. So that was quite <laughs> that was quite something. But uh it was a heavy gig, although I was surrounded by people like doing lines of Coke. Right in the oh, pit, which I couldn't, I can't be dealing with at any time. But uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was sad. It's like, uh, you know, poison a well, man. But I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Well done, still. Well, that um, that Killswitch album from the opening, I think that's like up there with the sort of top five most powerful, per- perfect opening ten seconds of a song. Numbered days, the dr- it comes thundering in, and Jesse's voice. And there was always this thing, Jesse and Howard. Now, they're completely different, but I've always been about the passion. Howard is a fantastic studio singer. Live, certain techniques, wasn't very clear. Used to give the mic out a lot and maybe cut corners. But Jesse had this immense passion that so little vocalists have this now nowadays because they get so taught and they get so well crafted that they kind of lose their personality so many of these modern metalcore and um, people call it metalcore and it's 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 a very it's, i think that's not the right term to maybe call it maybe shit or something i don't know but <laughs> so many of these maybe so many singers they sound identical because they yeah, they watch these yeah. videos they, and they think oh, i need to do my technique like that but for, keep your voice, keep your accent. And that's what I love about Jesse because he's now become a really great singer, but he had to go through all the bad times to get to there, but he hasn't lost his voice. He hasn't lost his passion or his tone. And I love this album. I love that. I feel like the uh, you can hear, and it's weird to say, I love to hear that you can feel that he's falling apart, but it's perfect. His performance on that album and no wonder he fucking left afterwards. That album, still to this day, 22 years later, it sounds so exciting, so fresh. Like, when I listen to what people like as metalcore these days, fucking hell. I'm like, God bless you, but you're missing the whole, you're missing the special stuff. And um, I love, that album was a big, big one for me. That sort of changed my life of, what went from a young age, you know? It had a, had a to be fair, it had a big impact on us as well. Exactly the same kind of thing. And the it was timing. Time. The time yeah. that it came out, coming out of new metal, it was just it was like a, a fucking revelation to us, wasn't it? We were exactly the same. We I mean that came yeah. out when we around the time we graduated with our degree, yeah. wasn't it? I think yeah. we needed 
you know, that period of our life was over. All the, you know, the yeah, we did a lot of gigs and getting drunk, but it was infected by new metal, and that was like right, it's fresh. We're adults now, and that's what we need. Yeah, I have just I mean, that for me. That, yeah, that whole time is exciting for me because. I was the young lad with a few mates travelling to be at London or to maybe nipping to Brighton or something. And over the years, because I was so invested in that scene and I got to know different people be it via email, whatnot. I've got, you know, I've been friends with the guy, some of the guys and all that remains for 20 years. Some of the guys like God Forbid, who are about the most underrated fucking band. Got a lot of time for God that Forbid. Band, yeah. Well, prime thing with God Forbid. I always remember chatting to Phil, Phil LeBont from All That Remains, went, that's the, the hardest band to tour with. And I was like, well, why? And he went, if they go on after you, they made your set look shit. And if you go on after them, everyone's going to think you're shit compared to the band that played before. <laughs> and he went, they're the best. And it was, a, it was a weird time. Maybe, you know, some people in the world couldn't accept a band with four black dudes in it. Yeah. And I like, what, what? And I see a lot of things now, you know, saw someone post something about Fever 333 and I can't remember what band they are. And they was like, oh, why are people not accepting? And I was just like, it's not just today. It's been, it's been going on for a while. That God forbid band should have, should have been a much bigger band than, than they were. Um, under criminally underrated, proper, proper musicians in that band as well. Um, but yeah, the Killswitch album, and I was I was gutted. I loved the end of Heartache. I, I've been up and down with it, but as I touch on a couple of albums here, where I said that anyone would love it, if I had the end of Heartache as the next turn album, I'd be cracking up. Ah, uh, fucking, you would never fucking. Uh, I would never speak to anyone again. I'd be. I don't need to deal with this shit anymore. I've got the end of Heartache. And even the song, The End of Heartache, as a kid, I was like, what? Mm, not, not sure. Now, that's a fucking, that's a masterpiece of a song. Great song. So, yeah, sim- so simple. But there's a clean version of it where there's no shouting. And I think it's better because you're just hearing Howard just sing this beautiful melody. But... I think there's a few dud tracks on the end of Heartache, whereas I don't think there's any dud tracks on Alive or Just Breathing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think with Alive or Just Breathing, that aggression as a 13, 14 year old, I was just like, I need this in my life. And it, it it's out of all these albums, it's had the biggest impact on me. And it still sounds it now as well, doesn't it? You put it on and it's still, it's still got that power. It hasn't lost. Oh. Yeah, no. it's it's amazing. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah 100%. All right, next up, where are we? Number five? We're number fifth one now, I think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so an album that had a big influence on me regarding songwriting um, is Nevermore, This Godless Endeavour. Oh, fucking hell. Um, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, talking about albums that sound amazing, it still sounds amazing to this day. It's got um, probably... If you know, you know it's probably got the best complete all-round metal guitarist that there maybe ever been, be it writing songs, riffs, solos. Um, it's he 
Jeff Elite, the whole band were Warrell Dane. I know people are up and down with the vocals. Mm. I prefer to have someone that sounds completely original compared to a lot of shit we're hearing today. Um, but that album, hearing it, it really changed what how I wanted to write. There's that and another album, the next album I'm about to list. As whenever I heard it early, well, one of them heard early 2000s, and the other one, obviously, when it came out, God, this is there, but I can't remember what year now. Let's, let's, do, but, let's do both at the same time then. Talk about it, because if, if they're, they've both got a similar kind of impact on um, you. Well, I'll say, I'll say that. It might be the next three, but certainly the next one. So you've got Discondus Endeavour. The one thing that lets it down, it's got the shittest artwork, mate. Um, they've just got in like, like Nick the Child outside of the Tesco's and gone, right, look sad. Um <laughs> So, yeah, that, but the other one... Oh, yeah, yeah, Death. yeah, yeah, I remember it now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks like one of the little troll dolls you should get. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, the next one is Death, Sound of Perseverance. Um, Death, Chuck, I touched on earlier about people trying to kind of mimic what Metallica do. We're 23 years after Chuck's death, and no pun intended, People are still trying to rip off that man, me included. What he left, now everyone can go, oh, blah, 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 is the best death metal band, blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot of them who sound alike. No one had the uniqueness of death. No, 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 no. And he felt the fact that people still trying to use his ideas and whatnot today even though he's been dead and Death's last album came out in 1998, it, to me, it shows me how far ahead he was. And I'm like, wow, what would he have done? And I spoke to a friend and I was, and he really randomly come out of it. And he was like, that guy would have done so many different things musically. He was just like, I would never, I wouldn't even be shocked if he ended up doing stuff that sounded like Magma from Gajira. And I was like, what, what do you mean? He was just like, not necessarily the songs, it's the risk. It's loads of space and what he could fill in with that space that might not be a guitar, it might be something vocally. And Chuck always had the best musicians. Um, and the Controlled Denied album that they did after Sounds of Perseverance with, um, oh, fucking, I can't remember what it's called. Um, it's a great album. I just didn't like the vocals. I wish Chuck was doing the vocals. I wish it was a deaf album, basically. But I think that album... Now, what's cool with death, I think my favourite album can change yeah, monthly. Yeah, yeah. And at the moment, I'd say the one first big one that had an impact on me was Sounds of Perseverance. And musically, there's stuff on there that I like. So there's like riffs that I would write that would be my take my influence um that i've i've got from death and chuck but i think i think when people are want to argue about the best death metal band i'm not the biggest death metal guy i'm not you know walking around like fucking cannibal culture and headbutting a wall or anything but (laughs) as far as music when it comes to actual music it's it's them and i think most other death metal guys would probably be still in awe of what that guy did and what he left us with. And so many people are hungry 
for more info. They release loads of cool merch. They, I saw, I've seen Death to All a few times, but the lineup they've got now, the sort of symbolic lineup with the guy from Cynic on vocals and guitar, brilliant. And it just made me think, fucking, how good would it have been yeah, when yeah. Chuck was there? And um, that and Nevermore Godless Endeavor really made me kind of appreciate how metal can be written and what risks you might need to take and just try try to do some stuff that's a little bit different. You know, you, you get five, six minutes to tell a story and make sure you do. And, um, yeah, fuck. I, I would, I, you know, they were writing this last Control Denied album when Chuck passed. I would do anything to hear what he was going to release. And most most of the metal world would. Um, and I think he's a person that his legacy gets stronger and stronger as the years go on. The more kids are hearing it, because it's accessible death metal. It's yeah, not like you put it, it on and you're getting like, <clears throat> like fucking brutal. You're getting melody and you're getting these hooks and you're getting this uniqueness. And there's, there's like, there's valleys, songs go on the heaviest of heavy, then it mellows out and it takes you on journeys. And they were just so far ahead. He was so far ahead, so far ahead. And I can speak on behalf of pretty much, I would say, bands that do our version of metal. He is, he's like Hetfield to me. He is like Hetfield. And um, I would love to have seen what he would have done. I think it's such a shame. Yeah, it, it is massively. I, it's funny, Death, because you got you got Death fans that will always revert back to the very early days, and then, but then there's a lot that say, "Oh no, I don't like it" because they went all fucking progressive and soft and all this kind of thing. And sure. Yeah, it, it, they're, they're a funny one, but they everything they've done, it all sounds like Death. Then you know it's mm. Death. It doesn't matter, you know, from Scream Bloody Gore all the way through to the end, it all oh. sounds like Death. Symbolic is my favorite Death album. Absolutely fucking love it. But at the same time, Leprosy and Scream Bloody Gore are absolutely yeah. classic. So well, yeah. what I love about that yeah. back catalogue, you can see the progression. Mm. They're taking risks, they're trying more things. And look, if he wants to get that, I'm gonna get rid of this member to bring on this member because I feel like he could take us to this next level. Blah blah blah. Like look at that human lineup. All of a sudden you had great death metal musicians, and then he got jazz musicians, yeah. he got progressive musicians, and it changed the course of it humans are a lot of people's favorite albums that and symbolic obviously um but it just got better and better and i like the way that they didn't stay they didn't stick to that one thing they mastered it out the gate they done it yeah wicked now let's keep going and keep going and wow that band special yeah fucking special yeah completely agree um, but like, like, I can see how they, them and Nevermore, they they kind of entwine. Again, Nevermore were a band I was never a huge fan of. Um, and it was mm -hmm. down to Warrell Dane's voice, a lot of it. It's, yeah. Saw them once with Arch Enemy, didn't we? Yeah, we did. You had some long, uh, long time ago. Some Irish mates came oh. over just, just for Nevermore. Just, yeah, just for, yeah, just they were supporting Arch Enemy. And um, I was impressed with them live. I remember that. But like musically, they never, they never just never clicked. Maybe now that I'm a bit older and a bit wiser, they may do, but. I think it's worth it. I think I remember listening to some of the stuff around that time and being impressed, but I never. There's, well, there's the thing. There's, 
there's an album called Dead Heart in a Dead World. And the sort of rumour, or I think there's truth, Jeff Loomis wrote the album when he was like 15 and then finally recorded it like 15 years later. I've heard, I've, I think fun. I've heard a story along those lines in writing music when he was like this. And, early, so. and that is insane because there's no music that sounded like that when he wrote that. There's nothing. It's insane. And um, yeah, it's poor. Musically, the, some of the riffs on that album take the absolute piss, mate. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's it's quality. All right. Um, before we do a last couple of albums then, um, you've been dropped on a desert island. You've got nothing but your pants, but you can take one essential metal shirt with you. Um, what's it going to be? So, I was having an R in. I mean, I was thinking about my me first Metallica shirt, but it was a bit of a con. I bought it in HMV Croydon or Virgin yeah. Croydon <laughs> in like 99, and it was a show shirt, but obviously I was never at the show. Um, uh, my first Kill Switch one, which is somewhere, it's grey and it's fucking old. But when I was in Hang the Bastard, we got to play a few shows over a few years with Crowbar. And it was one of my fucking favourite bands to, to fucking tour with. Ern saying that, we Ern got offered direct support um, on their Crowbar's upcoming tour and just, just doesn't work out. It's not the right tour for us at the moment. But I got, I mean, God, it must be, it's old now. And it looks, it looks quality as well because I've worn it in. Um, long sleeve, uh, I can't remember what album it's on now. It's gone out of my it's gone out of my head. And it's got all I have I gave on the back. And a lot of the time now it's just the front print, but my one's the front, the back, and the sleeves. And I've worn it to death and it still looks quality. Where it's a bit baggy, it hides a bit of timber that I've put on. <laughs> and um it looks uh it's just a cool, cool long sleeve. So I think I think I would go I think I would go with that. Um but yeah, I think I would go with that. But there was definitely a lot of love for the uh my first Metallica shirt um on the summer sanitarium tour oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um and I also owned a Scent Anger shirt, just to let everyone know. Oh dear. But somebody had to. I well, Anger still owns one. Um <laughs> But I got rid of mine because I soon learnt that's the sort you could sort of get bashed up walking around the streets of Streatham and Brixton. So I got rid of it, mate. I was like, oh, I'm fucking not getting done for no one. So yeah, I chucked that out. Um, but Angus still has his one. It's faded. It looks cool. It looks fucking cool. Well, fair play to him for sticking true, I suppose. But uh, we, 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 yeah. let's not go into some anger. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. What's, uh, what's next? What else we got? Um, here's one that some people might not know, and it was a big, again, it was a big album, um, sort of around 2000, what, 2009, 2010 maybe for me. And I've recently got back into it, and it's got a kick, some killer lineup in it. Um, Arsis, We Are the Nightmare, progressive melodic death metal, and they had a few really steady albums and then they wrote this and it's got a drummer I've never heard of. He only did this one album and the technicality of it is, is 
out of this world. And the guy was also like a big kind of into his glam rock and like kind of cheesy stuff. So there would be some really like cheesy like hooks in it. Then the next album they did after that, they lent a bit too much into that. But Arsis, We Are The Nightmare, I just remember getting it and just there's some ideas on it that's really fucking cool. Um, I think they couldn't keep a steady lineup together, which always has a knock-on effect and stumps the growth um, with a lot of bands. But it's a great, it's a great death metal, melodic death metal album for those who have never heard it. The guy's got a really high screechy voice. The guitar lead guitarist is Ryan Knight, who's in Black Dahlia Murder. Okay, yeah. And um, he left after this album and he did, oh God, the green Black Dahlia Murder album. I can't remember what it's called. It's a brilliant album. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool lineup of people. And it's just... Like I say, you're hearing these blast beats, all these kind of mad time signatures, and then it might hit into like this really kind of King Diamond flipping Cinderella solo, and you're like, what? I guess and then it kicked back in. Yeah, we are the nightmare, and it's just like, it's just got some, it's just really cool. And I, I've only put that in because I've been listening to it a bit recently for the first time in some years, and... Again, I'm only putting metal ones in for tonight because my usual go-to is a lot of soul music. We've got Sam Cooke behind me, if you can see that. I'm usually a lot more into my soul music, but I was like, today, you know, you know, as I said to you, I'm, I'm only sitting here with a shirt and pants on, sort of doing a man of war sort of thing. So I thought, let's be metal as fuck. Um, but yeah, it's a bit different. And I've been listening to it again for the first time in a while. So a lot of people might not know that album. And, yeah, uh, I've ne never, never heard of them, so I'm going to go and check it out based please, on please. the description alone. Yeah. yeah. yeah, never yeah. Well, that's, what, that's why we do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Nevermore, saying that, um, Arsis, Nevermore, Death, and Ber um, God, I went to say a band from fucking Bromley then. Um, God. Oh, fucking hell, what are they called? The American band the, who did Colours. Between the Buried and Me. Between the band and me, yeah. Them uh, colours, Arsis, Death, Nevermore. Um, so the original version of Earn, which had a different name, me and the guitarist in that were listening to these four albums religiously, as well as um, fucking the Dehumanizer by Black Sabbath and uh, Metallica and Justice for All. We're listening to them a hell of a lot. And... Um, He's a guitarist that uh, Angus joined the band and he sort of, Angus wanted to play with this guy. He wanted to play guitar with this guy. And he sort of taught Angus everything and he doesn't play guitar or anything anymore. He sort of left and he left us with all these wicked ideas and everything. And um, so a lot of the earned sound on the more the technical stuff is to come from this guy. But it was a lot of stuff that we were writing when he was would have been 15, I would have been 19. And a lot of it was inspired by them four albums. Um, so yeah, that's that's one to check out. Arsis yeah, the um, other night. Yeah, that'll be one for the uh, for the commute in the morning. Then I think that's yeah, he's always nice for someone to come on and bring us something we haven't heard because you know with these kind yeah. of things, it's quite easy to go with something <coughs> sort of tried and tested and predictable. But yeah, from the description, yeah. definitely check them out. And I think it's some of the drumming is so out there. <laughs> it's really really out there. Um, but it's cool. It's it, it's quite unique, I think, 
And then sadly, the drummer left, the guitarist left, the bass player left. And the next album, it, it was, at the time, I remember there being a lot of buzz. And the opening track was called, it was something called Star for the Devil, We Rock, or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, what? And it's a banger. It's a banger. And it's just like, dear, dear. it's like proper like cheesy licks. But it went a bit too, it lost its technicality that made it kind of interesting. And it went a bit too, yeah, like um, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> very different. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to check about though. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. All right, that's cool. Um, next one then, what have we got? Two two left? We've got two left? This is No, one more. One more, last, last one. one. Yeah, last, last one then. So yeah. it's final one. What have we got? Right, okay. This album is an album that clearly inspired Dream Theater. Oh. <laughs> this this oh. album is the greatest concept album in metal. This album has, on this list, the greatest vocal performance because when this guy was on it, he's pretty untouchable. Queensryche, Operation Mindcrime. Yeah. Yeah, you were going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this version of Jeff Tate, you're talking, I think, what he could vocally do. I don't know if there was anyone at that time. You got Dickinson at that time was great, Halford, but what Jeff Tate could do from the highest of highs, and he brings in that really deep, really kind of sexy voice. The others weren't doing that. Um, he's clearly an unbearable bastard, though, sadly. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, the lineup is fucking great. The lead guitar, oh, Otis. Here he is. Here he is. <laughs> That's his ass as well. Thanks oh. for that. The, uh, the guitarist um, they had, and it kills me. He's left. He left them in '94. Didn't want anything to do anymore. And he popped up randomly about two years ago playing guitar at some event. His, his name's gone out of my head. I can't fucking think. I'm thinking of Warren Diamati from fucking Rat. It's gone out of my head. <laughs> this, guitar, this, this guitarist, this guitarist from Cream's right, his songwriting is, it's, it's fucking brilliant. And after he left, they, they took him years to do for me what I consider a good album. But they did this in Empire. But this album... It's so great. There's so many different things. Some of it was a massive inspiration on the last Earn album. Um, there's different things. There's fast songs. There's these big stadium rock songs. There's almost like a, a hair metal song in, um, what's it? I Don't Believe in Love. Yeah. Um, I don't believe. But the vocals this guy displays throughout this whole album, I, I really can't think of another metal record, prog metal, whatever you want, to, that I think touches it. And I think if this version of Tate was the singer for Dream Theater, wow, fuck. That's, that's, uh, that's, Co- two, that's two quid you've got to put in the Dream Theater square. <laughs> uh, like, let me tell like, I don't love everything Dream Theater's done, by, I, but there's four albums I bloody love of that band. The hard thing is to get over is the guy's voice. Yeah. Um, but 
if he was good, he'd be Jeff Tate, you know. But <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a quote. That's 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 uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a quote. Used. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, if people haven't, just put it on and go on the journey, and it ends in eyes of a stranger. Yeah. And it's just yeah. ah. And then how many years later? Um, DT tried to rip it off. Do I have to put money in the swear jar? For calling them no, I'll, I'll, we'll let you have that one. 50p for that one. Cool, cool. Well, they tried to, for me, it is a bit too similar on um, scenes from a memory. I think there's bits where I'm like, whoa, you are very influenced by Queen's right. But it's, it's a fucking fantastic album and it's got you covered. It's got so many massive moments. But I say, out of this list, I look at it, there's elite drumming from Mario. There's a fucking passionate vocals from Jesse. Elite guitar work from Jeff and Nevermore and Jeff. But I don't know if... The closest that I consider that anyone gets to good is what Jeff Tate does on this. You're probably, vocally, I, I will maybe go to Dio on Heaven and Hell. Yeah. But he... No offence to any of these guys. What Jeff Tate could do at this time, don't think any of them had that range. Um, like I say, he could do the high... And it's just singing. There's no shouting. There's no screaming. It's just so many different variations of being able to sing. And... Wow. And the live footage from this tour, unreal. Unreal. Really, really great album. Uh, uh, to be fair, yeah, I, it's... I, yeah, anyone will tell you I am I am not a prog fan at all. But Mind Crime, Mind Crime is, is yeah, it's, it's up there. It's a special album. I agree with that. Completely it, agree with it's that. an album I'm not familiar enough with, but I do need to come back to it. It's, it's just because it needs to be when... I don't, it's weird because I consider it a prog album because it's a concept album, yeah. but I don't think yeah. it's a prog album in, in a technical sense. But what it is, is that it goes on a different journey. That's This song could be two and a half minutes. That song might be a minute of speaking. The next one might be a seven minute cashmere sounding song. Um, the end track could be like the best 80s hair metal song but I don't see it in a prog album in any more sense than it's just a concept album, but that's it's yeah. Get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I touched on this earlier actually, but it's, I've never really seen a definitive article or analysis of this, but what the fuck happened in 1988? Because you had mind crime justice for all mm. seventh son of a seventh son, uh, King's X doing out of sight of the planet. Um, I think face warning released one that year. It's just, all of these mm. supposedly prog or prog adjacent metal albums all came out in 1980. Yeah. It's like, what the yeah. fuck? Well, I mean, I guess in that year as well, you had, I know it's not prog, but it's them doing something different. You had South of Heaven, didn't you, in 88? Would that have been 88? Slower. So them doing something a bit different, some cooler ideas, um, you know, there was something, and I'd like, I know there's, I think Metal Hammer did an article covering the big albums of 88. Uh, Halloween, maybe, um, done some stuff. Um, yeah, I think that was the part two of 
keys, wasn't it? ATA? Yes, yes, I think that's what it is. And I just think, I mean, what Megadeth they did? Yeah, oh no, no, yeah, but it's it's a bit yeah. shit in it. Yeah, it's not it's not yeah. <laughs> But what? Yeah, yeah. But what? But what I like from about eighty eight to ninety. Obviously, we all know what happened in ninety one, and you know it's tragic, and you know it ended a lot of good bands. But uh, eighty eight to ninety, you had some great great albums. There's a band that I was a big fan, big fan of called Heathen. And they kind of blended that Metallica prog that they did in Justice for All. They made an album called Victims of Deception. A big fan. And we got to play a festival and I got to meet them. And I was like, fuck, you know, <laughs> these are like, these are like that kind of level in the fresh terms. You get your, your Metallica's Slayers, then you get your Testament Exodus. Then you might have your Death Angel, uh, fucking Forbidden. Um, but these might have just been a little bit under that, but uh, musically, fucking superb. But there were some great albums that come around that period where people, okay, we've done our fresh records, we've done this and that, let's let's start taking a bit of risk. And it just must have been a, so, so much of an exciting time because you're hearing all these different genres of music MTV's coming out and all these different things are making it. But I think as well, the production in 88 for Mind Crime is unbelievable. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Sonically, it's, it's a fucking great sounding album. Yeah. yeah. And they tried to do a follow up. And, you know, unless it's Godfather 2 and a few other rare ones, I don't want to know about a follow up, you know. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, very rarely does it come off. But it's definitely an album to go back. And I, I always think, for me, this is this is a musician's album as well. And even though there's something for everyone, I, I think as someone who who's trying to be a musician, I listen to this and I'm like, wow, what a great risk. Because there was, there was nothing like it at the time. Um, but not everyone's lucky to have A-list, top-tier vocalist. And we're in a day, you know, at the moment we get we get told all these guys are great singers, all these girls are great singers. But I go, for me, that's, you know, that's a good singer. Go and listen to Jeff Tate. Go and listen to the first two George Michael records. Different, different category, obviously. Go and listen to these guys. Go and listen to Dio on Rainbow Rising. That's a great singer. That's, that's a great singer with no tricks. That's a proper singer. Halford on some of the early priests. That's fucking great. You know, and um Garden. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was different I was watching some Alice in Chains footage from '93 yesterday. And how loud that guy's voice is, it's unreal, unique. That's one thing I don't think we have too much of now. There's that unique, the uniqueness is gone. It's rare. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't claim, I'm not a mega fan. The sleep token thing is very hit and miss for a lot of people. To a lot of people, it's unique. To a lot of people, it's quite annoying. Mm. I'm a bit like whatever with it. Um, but at least it's something a bit different. At least he's kind of, people, it's creating a bit of a, sub, a subject people are talking about. Is he a good singer? Isn't he a good singer? Or what have you. But in today's thing, there's so many singers that I'm hearing where I'm like, you could be one of many. Yeah. Whereas if people like Tate 
Dio, Halford. I just listened to the new Priest song, 74 years of age. He comes in and I'm like, fucking hell. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's sadly going to be disappearing. And I don't want it to. I want, for me, I want, when people, you know, go, oh, listen to this person, I'm like, go and listen to the start. Go back and listen to the roots of the music. You might find something that really surprised you. Go and listen to Nina Simone. Go and listen to Sam Cooke. Go and listen to Otis Redding. Go and listen to Whitney Houston and people like that. Be inspired by something, if you want to be a singer, be inspired by something that might give you something else that you haven't thought about. Because I'm finding too much of it a bit too similar. And I do, I like to hear the person's character. I want to hear that person's accent. And I I used to think I had to try and lose my accent when shouting and screaming. And I don't want to. And if I did, I would end up just sounding like everyone else. Yeah. I want people to hear. I want people to hear fucking Streatham ice rink coming through the fucking speakers <laughs> at them, you know? And, um, but yeah, when I know, obviously I'm just going on, but. No, you listen to Jeff. Night, Not a problem. Listen, listen to Jeff Tate on that record, and you know it's him. He he sings like he speaks. You know that's the same voice as a lot of these guys. You listen to Hetfield speak. You listen to him sing. You go right. That's what you would expect. Yeah, that's yeah. Jesse, Joe DePlantier, like he he's acts. He sounds weird. It sounds different. It's because that's his voice. Nurgle, like has this this accent, this thick accent that comes through. Um, Chuck, no one else sounded like that guy. Warrell Dane, no one sounded no one like else, that guy. Yeah, definitely no one else sounded like Warrell Dane. But this is what I feel like there's a, for me, it's a slight worry now because I'm just hearing too many people who can just go and do this. Recently, one band, Die Art is Murder, they lost their singer. They replaced him and no one knows the difference. No one knows the difference. Nah. Yeah. How? How? How can that be? How can they sound exactly the same? And I'm like, I want to. I'd be more impressed if they went and got a guy who was doing a complete different sound. Be like, that's what Kill Switching that Gage did. That yeah. Howard come in with a been much more of a rich tone, and it just made everything sound different. Faith no more, you know, bands like that. You go, fucking hell, listen to that geezer's voice. So, but yeah, there you go. There's me putting the well to right. <laughs> fucking listen to Jeff Tate. Well, I'm going to give you a platform. You've got to do it, haven't you? But no, I think you'll be quite happy on your island, to be honest, with the list you got. I think, you know, you, fuck it. I don't need rescuing. I'm, I'm quite happy with what i got. I've got my cat. got my albums. Yeah. Yeah, but it'd be a fucking nightmare when there's no electricity to put the CD player on. Uh, see, that that, come, that comes with it. So don't worry about that. That's all. That's all. <laughs> okay, yeah, you, got, you got the generator from the shit. Cheers. <laughs> <there. laughs> yeah, it was Lucky. fucking wicked. Mate, um, no, well, thanks, it, thanks so much for coming on and doing that. It was fucking, it's, 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 it's just great to dig into people's brains and just like wonder what exactly those albums are just so much more important to you than anything else that you know they have to go with. Yeah. You. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's really because that's what we're here for. That's what we all do. We just sit here for an hour and a half every week and waffle about metal half the time, pissed as a fart. So, well, what's kind of worrying for me, I'd say, I'd say, I look at these lists and I'm like, there's nothing. The newest albums in 2000 from 2016, and I listen to a lot of these. A lot of these are fucking 30 
20 plus years, 30 years old. And I just think that must have been such an exciting time to listen to this stuff. And it would have been the first time that people have heard an album that sounds like Injustice for All. Nothing could ever been done That's like great. it. Yeah. First time that anyone's ever heard fucking Alive or Just Breathing. Like, what the fuck? Like, the Satanist. No one, a death metal record hasn't sounded like that since. Um, and I just think, cool, what an exciting time. And maybe it's because, you know, I'm a bit older now and not on the pulse of music. I just have to focus on my own thing. But, um, yeah, it's... It's a great time. It's a great time growing up and finding things for the first time. Oh, it's, it's it's massive. Um, it's massive. A good friend of ours is in his early forties and has just kind of, we've had him on the podcast a couple of times and he's he's sort of discovering a love for metal and he has embraced it fully. And it's just it's just so cool to see someone who's our age and is embracing mm. you know like like we did all those years ago. And it's just I don't know. It's cliched as it sounds. This music has that can have that yeah. effect on people. And it's it's fucking great. Yeah, fucking love it. And it's. It's great looking back on them things, talking about walking out of the Astoria and so people who will be listening who don't know what the Astoria is, it was just a great venue. There was a the Mean Fiddler, which was kind of underneath it, and you had the Astoria, about 2,000, 2,500 people. And it was where every gig that was good happened there. And I used to love walking out of that, meeting up with your mates and feel like you've just won a battle. You'd be sweaty as fuck, nipping into McDonald's, trying to get to fucking Victoria or wherever to get the train back to Streatham or oh, what have yeah, you. Yeah. And, you know that feeling. But sitting there with your, your T-shirt that you bought or your poster, sweating and that cold air hitting your sweat and then you start to fucking feel freezing, then you, if you miss the last bus, you'd have to walk and you do that kind of fast drunk walk where you think you're walking really fast, but you're not, you're just walking at an angle. <laughs> and they were the best times. And I, I, I love that. And I, I'm quite a nostalgic person. And I think about fucking the first time I saw Metallica and first time I saw Killswitch, that's a big one for me. And first time I saw Nevermore, I paid, they were supporting Disturbed. I paid 35 quid to see Nevermore, mate. And I fucking half an hour set, I was off. I was like, cheers, lovely jubbly, off I go. And it was just, but that thing of walking out at them venues, like say as kids, youngsters, and just being like talking about every moment of that gig and talking about certain songs and which songs they play the best. And that's what I love about touring now. We went out on that tour in December. We'd get in the van with Mountain Cooler, get a little bit of chill music on, get the cards out, get a beer, and we'd just be talking. We're all the same sort of age we'll all be talking about it. Apart from our young sound guy, the young whippersnapper Tom, we'll be just talking about it. And it's the closest thing that I've probably had to them kind of important teen years. And uh, yeah, what a buzz. Yeah. That's, exactly, that's I, I, exactly why we do this. I, I nearly got arrested after seeing my first gig of the Astoria. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fucking hell. I've, I've, squared, I'm, up, squared up to a police officer. Who <laughs> would have seen that coming? Fucking hell! Yeah, I, uh, I, I missed. I couldn't get home after the last, the first. Sorry, the first gig I went there, and I had to go and stay at my nan's in, uh, in London. And I was like, I don't know how to get there. I just didn't know. I, I just wasn't. It was like a different. 
it was like weird. Oh, you get in that bus, and it took me ages. And all of a sudden, everyone, it's like that scene in Home Alone 2 where he's walking through the city at night, and all of a sudden, everyone looks like a fucking nutter. And I was walking through London, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to die. And um, yeah, it, it was quality. It's quality. And I remember going to see fucking hell. I can't. Whoever it was at the Mean Fiddler would have been someone over from the States. And my mate had a Lamb of God shirt. It's about 2003. My mate Nick Evans had a Lamb of God shirt. And he walked past the preacher that used to be Always there. Always there, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and we walked past him and went, yes, yes, yes. Lamb of God. That's what I like to see. <laughs> and I was screaming. I was going mental. And yeah, it used to just be a buzz. And, you know, you'd bunk off a of school and nip up there and uh, uh I'm jealous of the youngsters. Like in, in the summer we we played Milan with Gajira and it was the hottest I've ever been. We turn up at the venue, fucking roasting, and there must be about four thousand, five thousand kids outside, like fever pitch. And it was one of the best shows we've ever it's probably the best show we've ever played. And I was like, fucking hell, I am jealous. Not to be fair, I would have burnt and died but I am um, I was like what an exciting time that must be for all of them waiting yep. to see Gajira so yeah but um, anyway lads I could probably talk about music all night so well, this uh, is, like, I, like I keep yeah. saying this is why we do this this is why we sit here every week and fucking do this so it's you know yeah. nice quality it's escapism from normal life but look Thanks so much for coming on doing that. It's fucking great to hear it. All the stuff you're going to take, you can you can take Dream Theater with you, and yeah, I'll put them yeah back. yeah yeah take them with you. They can stay well, there, not come back. And um, but yeah, yeah. Thanks for doing it. Right. And, um, yeah, well, I hope to see you at some point in the fucking UK. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I'm waiting. You know, I've noticed every show. I look out into the crowd, sort of nod my head and realize that you've you've let me down. You know. <laughs> I had no, a ticket. I, I bought. I bought a ticket. So at least, at oh, least, good. you know, so I've got your money. Yeah, you got my money. <laughs> so at least I made a contribution. That's the most. Look, well, let let's see. Fingers crossed, something comes up. But you know, we've got to start. We're stop. We are writing at the moment. So um, it'd be cool to do. Be cool to do maybe one more hometown thing before we go and do the third album. Um. So yeah, fingers crossed. Wicked. Look forward to that. All right. Um, yeah. Thanks for doing that. It was uh, it, it was really cool fun. Um, I'm not sure what we've got coming on next. Oh, um, I believe the next episode we've got will be with Mortar Scold. Fucking great album. Okay. That's, dropping, that's dropping this week. So um, make sure we check that out next week. But yeah, until that point, um, thanks everybody for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. Stay metal and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>